days, reaching for shadow hands, reaching for shadow hands, shadow days, reaching for shadow hands, reaching for shadow hands, shadow days, reaching for shadow hands, reaching for shadow hands. Can you feel the lightning? everyone to another Arenda Records podcast. You did it. You made it. I'm so thrilled. Um, so I'm your host, Matt Yakely. I'm talking today with uh, an amazing composer and writer and saxophone player and human being, uh, Mr. John Armstrong. We're talking about his uh, latest release, which is now out on Arenda Records, Burnt Hibiscus. I learned a lot about the record uh, in talking to him today. Um, I learned a lot about uh, more than the record. I learned I learned about conceptual things that he's interested in that I thought were incredibly fascinating. I um, I can't wait to go and listen to this record again because of what uh, I found out in our conversation. So 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 you're gonna love it you're just you're gonna love it it's gonna be great so let's um let's get to some news shall we so here we got some we got some good shows coming up guys these are some these are some nice ones so uh november 11th we've got uh brian walsh with narwallaby at the red cat um that's that that i mean, i want to be there uh november 18th the southland ensemble at the command center uh, November 20th, Jazz Night at the Bootleg Theater. Uh, we're going to have uh, Vinnie Golia and uh, Leah Paul. Le- Leah Paul. God, I am the worst at reading. Guys, see, this is, this is, this is an issue I have. Uh, December 4th, the Rosenboom Templeton Group at the York. Uh, that is, that is going to be a treat if you haven't seen that group or if you haven't been to the york you should fix both of those things because those are those are they're both marvelous and december 9th here we have sound etiquette who uh quick pause right here big uh big big news gonna welcome welcome sound etiquette uh it's our first release from the bay area that's the san francisco bay area not the you know i don't know hudson bay it's San Francisco Bay, but uh, so we're getting into uh, we're expanding the circle, bringing in new people. It's 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 wonderful. Um, but they're this great uh, experimental jazz trio, getting into really adventurous stuff. It's very very cool. Um, but yeah, so Sound Etiquette, December 9th, There we got an online album release uh, that's 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 coming out. Um, if you uh, if you want to come see me play, I will be at the Offbeaten Highland Park on November twelfth and General Lee's uh, uh, in Chinatown on November fifteenth, as well as the Falls every Monday in downtown. Um, hey guys, can you can you hear that behind me? Can you hear the construction? Is that coming through? If it is, I'm sorry. Okay, but you know. 
the 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 city the city needs to do things to water, I assume, and power. Anyway, uh, there's none of that on the interview, so uh, you can just 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 get those ears ready. It's it's so good. Uh, let's see here. Oh. Uh, make sure that if you enjoy our talk, check out uh, arendarecords.com uh, for the for the records. Uh, all of uh, uh, John Armstrong's uh, his his prior release there. We talk about that. The large ensemble it's on there. Um, you can get the burnt hibiscus on there as well now. And uh, anything else that you want, if you just want to go back and check out some of the other people who have been putting music out it's uh it's a great way to do it spend a couple hours you know investigating the uh the arenda records website arendarecords.com and if you like the podcast please go on to the itunes site and rate it and leave us a review it helps so much let everybody know about us okay all right i'm done rambling let's talk to john Hey John, what's happening? I'm good. How Welcome. Are you doing? Thank you. Welcome to the podcast. You are our fourth guest here. Wonderful. And uh, uh, excited to talk to you about the new record. But first, I just want to do a little catching up, a little housekeeping. You know. Mm-hmm. So you uh, 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 you're not living in town anymore, right? You're in uh, you're not. in Idaho. I am. I'm living in Pocatello, Idaho. Pocatello, Idaho. Yeah. Uh, 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 how's things out there? Everything good? Things are great. Yeah, it's really nice. You're teaching uh, out there, right? I am. Yeah, I got the job at Idaho State University, nice. which is in Pocatello, and uh, it's wonderful, man. The job's great. The town is super beautiful. Pocatello is like sandwiched in between two minor mountain ranges. Okay, the Portneuf and the Bannock Range. Okay, but then it's in a larger sense, it's in between the Cascades and the Rockies. Oh, okay. So they call it all the Inner Mountain West. That's cool. And it's just this really beautiful town in a valley between these two mountain ranges. That's great. Like forty five hundred feet in the air. Terrible postcard area. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's You're bad for yeah totally. I think that's on the sign. It's like welcome to Pocatello, worst postcard city. <laughs> Get your country. postcards elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. I think that's. <laughs> so, um, how long uh, have you been out there now? I moved there in uh, August of 2015. Really? So just finished, just started my second year of schooling. Very cool, man. Yeah. Very cool indeed. And so uh, you were here in LA before that. Uh, yeah. And uh, so so when did you get here? I moved here in 20, uh, 2006 to go to California Institute of the Arts. Ooh, CalArts. Okay. Went and that was for years. grad work? Yeah. So I went there for two years. And then uh, 2008, just moved to the city and stayed there till 2015. So we're talking seven years nice. as a professional citizen of, <laughs> of, of music. No one's more professional of a citizen yeah. than you, John. Yeah, oh, that's, uh, that's nice. <laughs> um, so where are you from originally? I don't even know. I don't, I don't know anything about uh, your life. Tell me about this. you. So born in Corvallis, Oregon. Okay. Which is like... Uh, I've heard of that. Uh, kind of shockingly like Pocatello. Honestly, okay. it's a state university town, right? Oregon okay. State's there. Oh, that's why I know where. Yeah. And then uh, about, I don't know how many people live there now, 50,000, 60,000, kind okay. of a small yeah. town, agriculture school, sure. big on engineering. So the second I get to Pocatello, I was sort of like, wait a second, there's something very yeah. familiar about yeah. this. And it took me a little while. In fact, I was talking to my dad on the phone and he started like 
looking up the town online, he said, you know what, this is, you sort of like moved to Corvallis yeah. in 1987. <laughs> like as if, <laughs> yeah, you know, then sure, it's, sure, it's sort sure. of the vibe of Pocatello. It's like Oregon it's, in 1987. That's great, man. Uh, but then I grew up in a small town. I moved when I was 10 or 11 to Battleground, Washington, which okay. is uh, just north of Portland, Oregon, on okay. the border, okay. in the foothills of Mount St. Helens, which mm -hmm. is a small town. Okay. Yeah. So, so just going from small town to small town. Yeah, totally. So it's just like my, my life's going to be these small towns. Scenic vistas. Yeah, with like Seattle and Los Angeles is the sandwich meat. <laughs> there right? you go. So it's just a couple big cities in the yeah. middle and then, yeah. That's great. And so did you go, where did you, uh, where did you do your like undergrad and stuff? Where did you study? In Seattle, the University oh, Seattle. of Washington. Okay. So state cool. school kind of a thing. Well, uh, now, now uh, saxophone, was that your first instrument? What, are you, what was your musical question. journey? Yeah, actually, my dad... Uh, marched in a parade on this with a saxophone. Oh yeah, yeah. My my parents both converted to an evangelical Buddhist organization okay. called the SGI. Okay, and the SGI really likes brass bands because it's like a Japanese culture okay. version of Buddhism. Um, and so they love marching and they love brass bands. And so my dad picked up the tenor saxophone to march in one of these parades, and he learned like just enough to get through the parade. Uh, so cool. And what's cool about that is my uncle played snare drum in the parade because my uncle was living in Corvallis at the time. And that's unique because my uncle's deaf from birth. Oh, really? So he was like so committed that he like wow. learned and watched the snare drum part. So he marched in the parade as well. That's insane. So there was a saxophone in the garage. And when I moved to Battleground um, for sixth grade, my first buddies were like in band. Okay. And then I asked my dad, I'm like, hey, can I use that saxophone? Yeah. So that's how it started. Like literally nice. from the, the tenor sax, my dad bought at a pawn shop in the 70s or 80s to march in a parade. That's so cool. So yeah, it started right on saxophone, did some piano lessons, mm -hmm. and then uh, just kept on with saxophone, picked up guitar and bass right. and whatnot in high right. school. Right. Well, that's very cool. Um, so so let's see. So that's, that's interesting to know uh, uh, in terms of, the multi-instrumental aspect of that because this this new record of yours the instrumentation on it is 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 the first thing that caught me uh uh right off the bat yeah. and um so what record is this for you what number are we on now uh i did three albums with slum gum which oh, was like yeah, a collective yeah, sure. so co-released right three albums with them and this is my second as a leader okay so the the large ensemble right in 2013 so this will be my second one Right. So, um, the, uh, so what is the instrumentation on this? What? How many? Because uh, I, I I noticed that on a lot of tracks, there's some uh, uh, there's some instruments that appear on certain tracks that don't necessarily appear on all of them. Totally. Yeah. So maybe one way to think about it is like concentric circles. So the okay. the centerpiece would be Sheila Bringy. Right. And all the things that she does. So right. she sings and plays bansuri flute, harmonium, and Celtic harp oh. on the album. So the whole thing started with her. The whole, um, you know, inspiration for the album came with I wanted to work with Sheila and right. I wanted to write new music because I had played some like traditional Hindustani music with her. Okay. I played okay. bass in her ensemble and saxophone with her and Clinton for a while, and I loved all of that music. And I thought I would love to start from scratch and kind of do my own thing, mm -hmm. and then work with her like how can i surround her in these like blankets of sound oh, that are okay, going to complement the way that she plays music and the way that she plays music it's like those four instruments voice flute harmonium and harp they're all really authentic and strong 
articulations of her musicality, okay. which is also like just huge. Yeah, just has yeah, this yeah, huge yeah. musicality. So, so that's like the centerpiece. That's the secret weapon of the whole thing. Yeah. And then okay. Going out from there, you have a brass section, tuba, trombone, and trumpet. Okay. Then you have a reed section, so which is you know basically two saxophones and two clarinets. Okay. Some of them play flute, so you get to play that card. Mm -hmm. Some of them play bass clarinet, that kind of a thing. And then you have a percussion section, which is drum set and percussion. So okay. that's sort of the way that I thought of the thing. It's like, how do I want to surround Sheila? I want to surround her with like brass, reeds, and drums. Okay. Skins. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then with that, if you pick like a Clinton Patterson on trumpet, then you also get him and Sheila's thing because mm -hmm. they've been playing for so long. So it's it, in a way is like a composer. You're sort of like, I want to bring in that tandem because that tandem is very special and the way that they think of music is very uh, unique. Right, right. Well, uh, well seasoned. They've been playing yeah. music for years since like 2007. They've been collaborating on this Southern gospel music mixed with Hindustani. That's, that's, uh, that actually sheds a lot of light onto how I was listening to this because, you know, um, uh, you you sent me the record, but it was just the record. There was no, there were no, you know, there's no information yeah. on it. And so when I was listening to that, when I was listening to that, there were a couple of things that I... I am now, in retrospect, uh, probably probably got wrong in my in my thoughts of this because so the the thing that I um, re that that aside from the instrumentation the, the the thing that really grabs my grabbed my attention right off the bat were the these the vocal lines that are that are kind of throughout they're very. Um, they're very like slippery and, and slidey, you know. They're these. There, there's that's the that's a terrible way to no, describe. No, I it. like slippery and slidey. That's good. <laughs> they're very, they're very. Um, uh, uh, um, they, they they move in a way that is is very uh, uh, unique, and it's it's not. Um, the way that I at least at the, uh, uh, usually hear vocal melodies, which is a great thing. I think it's a wonderful thing, but it's also done in unison with a lot of uh, other instruments. And so my question was: is was uh, was it seemed like those lines were really well thought out, and that you I, I thought you had maybe written them, and then somebody was singing them, and somebody else was playing them. But if she's playing, uh, you know, harmonium and, and harp and all these other things, was she playing them and singing them at the same time? Was it what's the? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I, there's sort of two answers. One, yes. I think on about I'd have to uh, about half the tracks, so mm -hmm. about four, three and a half, yeah, of the tracks. <laughs> She's playing harmonium with her singing, which is uh -huh. a really specific Hindustani stylistic right. thing. So like everything from Nusrat Fatah Ali Khan mm -hmm. to like uh, just traditional folk Indian music, they're playing like kirtan music. Yeah. They're playing harmonium with their vocals. Okay. And all that music I was talking about earlier where I played bass in her band, mm -hmm. you know, um, some five years ago or whatnot. That's how that would go. Okay. And there'd be clapping and there'd be calm response right, and right. that kind of a thing. So that's part of the the uh, the sound of that. And then going back to the concentric circles around Sheila, what I thought would be cool is to have like a tenor sax blended into her sound or a clarinet blended into okay. her sound or an alto sax or a trombone. And to me, that was the inspiration for each one of the tracks was... You know, the band kind of chose itself because you pick people, everyone in that ensemble 
is a virtuoso at blend. Okay. Like Ryan Dragon, the way that he can play his trombone as if it was inside of a soprano vocalist okay. is remarkable. Yeah. And Brian Walsh does that well. And Aaron Armstrong, my wife, does that well. And, and Gavin does that well. And uh, like that to me was really fun. Yeah. So like it's almost like, you know, it's not quite an analogy of a meal like first through seventh course, but it's almost like if you had the same protein center yeah. of the meal which okay. is sheila sheila yeah. is like the center of every meal <laughs> it's like you can dress it in seven different sure. ways which this album is sort of like what does it sound like with this instrument what does it sound right. like with this instrument and the mix i thought did a good job of sheila's always out front and then whatever the vocal whatever the the horn is that's mm -hmm. playing behind her just colors the sound that's so, so interesting. It fits inside of it that's so interesting because it's really um at first listen so you know, I, I I know you through your last effort, which was a which was a larger ensemble, yeah. right? And so my my immediate assumption was that you know, given the writing that you have to do for that, where everything is accounted for, you know, and like you you're, you're arranging very thoroughly for a larger ensemble, I was assuming that that was kind of the way that this was written as well, where you're like, okay, here is your specific vocal line, and then this is going to double it, and this is going to be in the back, but it 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 is that it seems more like what you're saying is that you wrote these these tunes with her and then she was really playing them and you guys were all coloring around it oh that's interesting i think it's huh i think it's actually more towards the first one like yeah. everything's pretty Through composed. thoroughly composed yeah. and her vocal lines are very thoroughly composed yeah. except for i think a couple times she takes a vocal solo right. like on the indian sargon scale yeah. so it is more towards what I did for the large ensemble. But what I learned with the large ensemble is my favorite moments of concerts or albums are when, with improvised music, mm -hmm. uh, with improvising musicians, is when the improvising musician has freedom to go and take the composition into like a different direction. Sure. When the solo isn't necessarily, it has to be this. And it's kind of a part of the composition. So. I spent more time having fun with each solo section being something that could actually fuel the song forward mm -hmm. as opposed to just this standalone moment that happens. I found that when I was writing big band music, the best moments on that large ensemble album is when the soloist has more freedom in his solo section to, sure. to kind of do what they want. So that's where the unknowable quality happened. But no, each one of those melodies was composed. And going back to the slip slidey thing, mm -hmm. uh, so it all started with poetry, right? right? Which I'll get to in a second. But when you work off of just poetry, just words, and then you have to set it to music, I love that because it's so incredibly challenging as a jazz musician. Sure, like if sure. we just sit down and we write uh, melodies to chord changes or scales, we're going to do certain things that kind of fall into our comfort zone sure because we like to sure. do certain things on scales which is a good thing we have worked our whole lives to do certain <laughs> things on scales that sound good um, but when it gets to uh composition it's nice to kind of get out of your comfort zone and so in this sense like my entire focus was how do i present these lyrics in the most authentic and clear way and i never thought i'm going to write slip slidey melodies mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i never even thought about it like that but you're right there is sort of an element of of the melodies kind of like sliding on ice a little bit yeah. like they kind of like work their way left and then it takes a while to like come back to the right 
Um, and I think part of that is baked in because the lyrics were written by my wife, Erin. Ah. And for the most part, the lyrics came from a artistic experiment that she's been doing over the past several years. Where for the month of August, you set your alarm to 3.15 a.m., you wake up from a dead sleep, you have a notebook by your bed, and you just write free association poetry. Okay. And then okay. at the end of the month, you, you put it all in. And then there's a website called the 315 Experiment okay. that kind of archived all this. So I went into her archive, and I just took all these like beautiful gems, and I That's found great. the ones that I really like. And there's some really spooky, you know, like... Um, in between consciousness and subconsciousness lyrics there that I thought did an amazing job of expressing what it's like to live in Los Angeles. Okay. What our experience, right. it's not everyone's experience. Right, right. Uh, Cause it's hard to explain what it's like to live in Los Angeles. Sure. It's really difficult to capture the joy and the talent level and the excitement um, and the pressure and the the driving and the 85 degrees in mid-November. <laughs> like all of that is hard to bundle into one thing, but her talking about a crimson tarp that lays over the city mm -hmm. with the cracks or her talking about the thick trunked headless trees of downtown skyscrapers, yeah. like not hearing a word we say, like there's this mystical, mythical quality to that that I thought was really inspiring artistically and so when i say that the slip slidey was baked in i think in a way by just sitting and meditating on those lyrics for a while associating them with these traditional ragas uh -huh. that all the songs are based on and just improvising kind of back and forth the melody would naturally sort of take on this kind of nebulous buoyant quality Sure. That's yeah. that's really that's really interesting. This is so interesting to talk to you about this because I I listened to the to the record twice beginning to end uh, yesterday and the day before, and um, and uh, it was it was it was one of these things where I definitely came to the record with you know what I you know with what the my musical experience is uh. and and tried to and was thinking about how oh this must be that you know oh that must be this instrument and you know and now hearing you talk about it it really paints it in a different light and it's very very interesting it's very cool I like this. I like this a lot. Cool. And I uh uh, uh it's funny that you say that they're all based uh, in in like the raga tradition because I have ragas written in my notes. Wonderful. Yes, nailed that one. Uh, <laughs> Ten points. Yeah, right. Ten points. Um, so what's it like to be woken up by your wife at 3.15? Yeah, you know no, what? I <laughs> Honestly, I sleep like a bear in hibernation. I never knew it was happening. And even if really? I did, I'd just like right, go no, right I'm back to sleep. Um, well, that's so cool. So um, let's see. One last compositional question here about these... Um, before we move into like maybe hearing some samples here of some little some little snippets mm -hmm. on on the cast here, um, is a lot of these the 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 songs have this um, this kind of open uh, uh, form quality to their to their sound where there's where there's where it seems like a section is 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 being played. Uh, until like a cue, and then this written interlude happens specifically in Apricot, which I'd like to, which we're going to listen to here in a second. Um, there's, it seems to me like there's this, there's this long raga thing, or 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 
or modal adventure, if you will. I will. Yes. <laughs> As the A section, and then there's this, there's this, there's this B thing that's kind of cued. That's this the seven eight kind of. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, uh, thing and. And is that like that's that's what I'm talking about when I say like there's these large swaths that seem like an open form and then a specific part that's cued, or is that an actual written thing or like you counting all the way? Yeah, like, we're counting. Yeah. Oh, there's so a specific... it starts off okay. with like open tenor solo, and then I kick off the T high, uh -huh. right? That kicks off the tune, and then from the downbeat where the tuba comes in, mm -hmm. that's all through composed where oh, really? she's singing the parts don't connect, you know. Um, and I'm playing that melody with her, and there's very specific amounts of bars in between. And that's mirrored after the tenor solo, but with harmony. So the, okay. the horns kind of sneak in. So that tune's first because it's like, I'm the star, so I get to start the whole record, <laughs> right? With my right. tenor saxophone no, yeah. musings. It's your, it's, yeah, it's, you will listen to my musings. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you hear this. Yeah, <laughs> trills and, and uh, multiphonics. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so I do that kind of a thing. And then it starts off with just like rhythm, the bass element, the tuba, and then me and Sheila. And then kind of Brian comes in with the bass clarinet on the solo. The solo was set actually on the mm. record section. Mm. It didn't want it to go too long, just like a quick introduction. And then for the whole second half, one horn at a time comes in to harmonize mm. the same line that we sang in the beginning until it sounds hopefully like a big, like almost like New Orleans style party by the end so there's just like all kinds of things happening and it's not just straight harmonization people are just coming in with notes and then the whole thing ends on like the big t high so it's sort of like a meet the orchestra kind right, of a right, album right. but dark right yeah no that's 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 beautiful let's let, we'll hear a little bit right here <laughs> So here, there's some more that I want to talk about here. Some of these other ones, and it's it's interesting. Um, maybe we'll maybe we'll hear uh, 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 Crimson Tarp next because that one um, in the notes that I have here, you know, my uh, meticulous mm. note keeping. Uh, I have I have written in that I this one also I, I I got the feeling that it was building in on its it was folding in on itself like you were saying about the last one where there was you know a harmony line that kept stacking and it kind of built up on on itself yeah. sort of I don't know if I put that under the wrong one but uh, no that makes sense so it starts with like the chorale okay right and then the trombone has the melody 
which was just like getting into some inside baseball. Yeah. Like having the instrumentations that I had, I needed the two flutes. This is totally yeah. like running a bullpen. Like it honestly right. was. It's like, okay, I have my two flutes. I got my two lefties. Right? Yeah, right. And then I knew I wanted it to be a Ryan Dragon feature. Okay. So you have a trombone lead, which right. limits yeah, the pitch count, right? Sure. How sure. high yeah. the guy yeah. can go. <laughs> and now what's left is tuba, bass, clarinet, and trumpet. So I needed trumpet to be that second voice, bass, clarinet, the third voice, mm -hmm. and tuba, the fourth, which ended up stacking really nicely to yeah. have bass, clarinet kind of like wedged into yeah. a, um, uh, a corral. And then, but but it ended up with Clinton on just low, low trumpet. Yeah. So I had to compromise a lot. You know, you sit at a piano and you're like, this is the chord that's going to change the world. <laughs> this is it. I found it. This is magical, right? But then you can't do it because right. the trumpet can't play a low F. Yeah. Or he's playing like too many low Gs in a row and it's just yeah. going to sound blatty. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, you know, if you, if you have a certain trumpet player, like Clinton can play low notes like really, yeah. really well, but... After the first rehearsal, I, I just wasn't writing things that made sense mm -hmm, for him mm -hmm. down there. So I had to just, I just like eat it and deal with the fact that he had to play other notes <laughs> that chords you, won't change the world. Yeah, that well, that chord, it's, it's, you know, you got to save that chord. It'll change yeah. the world later. Yeah, I guess so. I burned it. <laughs> I actually burned it in like a ceremonious, like funeral pyre. Uh, and I can't even, I can't have them like double on mellophone just for that one tune. Right. right. So it's just like, right. whatever you have the instruments you have, you got to just, uh, well, it's beautiful. So, 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 uh, but let's, um, also the other thing that I have on here is that, um, I think early on in, in this tune, I was thinking it's, 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 it's really beautiful because it's, it's kind of sparse and colorful at the beginning, you know, um, where, where you're doing this like counterpoint thing where so much, so much is getting filled in mm. without very much being filled in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so many colors are getting, getting drawn, but, but you're not really like filling out all the chords right away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's hear some of it. So there are two more that I want to talk about, and because I don't want to give away the whole mm. shebang, right? We can't, you know, people gotta people gotta buy the record, yeah, which they should because it's outstanding. Um, but there's two more that I want to talk about. Um, one, uh, uh, um, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm extremely vain and i need to ask if that if 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 uh if they're if on maybe a lime does that is that a guitar on there yeah. it sounds like a guitar yeah okay as a guitar player i just needed to know i needed because you're talking about all this instrumentation that i'm yeah. like oh shit i got that wrong and it's like <laughs> no and it's weird so that's me on guitar <laughs> okay and uh i use sasha biratella's like sweet um fender what's it called dual 
the dual reverb is that what oh, it's called twin reverb twin reverb yeah which is just awesome oh yeah with like the the, the sweet pedal switch oh yeah and so originally i composed it with like a line six in mind mm -hmm. but that just that that sweet reverb ended up working out like oh i'm so happy that happened no no that's the twin reverb just that, that doesn't get any better yeah so uh yeah that's a guitar just sort of like chunking through the whole yeah. thing and the horns on that song except for the clarinet which blends with the voice are basically just droning like that's the whole thing is the album is just like these real uh, the idea was like unemotion, like emotionally distant drones. Like the okay. drones are just sort of like, <laughs> like not even worrying about it. Just like kind of chunking. Yeah, just and, like a father that doesn't visit. Yeah, exactly. Know? Something <laughs> like that, just on his own. Emotionally gambling in northern Nevada, just like. Just like yeah, just, not even the good part. No, you know? exactly. Not even like the, one of those the the touristy part, just like. <laughs> Just like you a don't truck even, stop outside of Reno. Yeah, and not even on the main freeway. Yeah. Like you kind of have to take like a, a state road. Yeah, yeah, it's a state road casino on the side. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but the other thing that about this is that this one really uh, stood out in my mind as having one of these these melody lines that was just so you know uh, gripping because it was extremely intricate. And I was I I, I heard her singing it, and I was just. I was blown away by the fact that it was happening and just uh, 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 and how how beautiful it was. Like it was so intricate, but also so so beautiful. So so I I know that you said that that um, you know the concentric circles. A lot of it's built on on the on on her, and she's and it's it's really amazing. So what? Uh, 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 so I feel like this is an opportunity to to talk about her and her yeah her her not her business like who she is and what she does and that's that kind a, of stuff yeah yeah uh and that for that one that's interesting you say that because first of all that's the seminal tune on the record because that's right. where burnt hibiscus comes from right because she sings maybe a lime this time maybe a lime out of all this burnt hibiscus okay right? um, perfect and uh for that one i wanted to stay out of her way as much as possible mm. so i'm doing the tuka -tuka 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 mm. with the rhythm section so it's like me tina and chris are just like pushing forward with this rhythm and then the drones are sort of moving at their own pace like mm -hmm. like uh, whatever like planetary cycles or something like Ooh. they just are uh totally um oblivious to what else is happening it's sure. just there and oppressive right yeah. and low and out of the way and then it's just the clarinet and the vocal that are rubato like just singing on top of it almost uh -huh. in like a dazed state uh -huh. and the idea like going back to like, how do you articulate living in Los Angeles? Like, a burnt hibiscus plant was, like, something that, like, my wife struggled with as she was trying to garden mm, and whatnot. And mm. we had this weird tree that we didn't know what it was, but it it made these, like, really, really tiny green things. Okay. Like, are those limes? Are those almonds? <laughs> so that's where that poem uh, comes right, from. Maybe right, a right. lime this time out of all this burnt hibiscus. I just thought yeah, that was, yeah. like, a really, that's like, if you just had to, like, nail it down yeah. to what our experience was. So I bring all that up to say... Uh, Sheila Bringy, like her connection to music, I hate to say, you know when you say someone's like naturally talented or so yeah, purely sure, talented, sure, sure. in some way you dehumanize them as if sure. they were just born with like magic sauce. Right. So there may be some magic sauce yeah. in Sheila Bringy, but mostly just like the way that she works at music and the way that she hears music and the way that she performs music is just so, there's just so much depth to it. Yeah. And so when you explain the poem or you just have her read the poem and just like work with the melodies on her, it, you don't have to explain anything. Mm -hmm. And in fact, 
you know, just reading these poems to her, we never had in-depth conversations about what the poems meant because it was important for her to... Take her own meaning. Exactly. And with someone like that, it's just so fun and easy to work with them because, like I was saying, just to repeat myself, there's no secondary conversation you have to have with the person. The person is naturally set up and works at it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, To internalize, digest and then manifest their own authentic way. And I think that's so fun. So to me, that's the essence of her musicianship. The quality of her musicianship, like the style and the genre, is almost irrelevant in a way. Mm. Like if she was an amazing opera singer, it would have been just as fun because of that core element that she has. The fact that she's an Indian American, Hindustani, Kirtan singer, but then does all this other stuff and is she's, you know, uh, it is almost like um, it's like okay, great, let's work right. with that. Right. But but the essence is her musicianship that I was so excited and working with. And then to talk about her, she's done. I think she just released a second album. Released okay. a second album, and her first album and this new album, she's like. So the Kirtan community is really interesting. Um, where it's this really big deal now: Colorado, Los Angeles, Oregon. You know, there's these people that know all these traditional Hindustani chants and they can do these calm response mm-hmm. and they sing and it's it's almost like a spiritual thing for a lot of fans of this music. Like they mm-hmm. sing, because a lot of this music is, is Hindu, right? Sure. So sure. they're like celebrating gods and all that kind of stuff. And so now there's this whole, and it's kind of wrapped up in the yoga culture. So she's really developing a name for herself in that scene. But what I love about what she does is if you listen to normal Hindustani music, it's awesome and mm-hmm. like just... So boom, it's like four four, and it's real fun to sing. Yeah. But the music that her and Clinton write are so, it's like pushing the music forward in this really amazing way. Mm-hmm. I, I, she's a friend, but I really think that she's an innovator in that music, and it seems like in her career she's been met with both critical acclaim and also confusion mm-hmm. by that audience, which mm-hmm. I think is a really good sign that yeah. you're innovating That's what you in want. that field. Yeah. yeah. So that field I think is in a a state where it can push into an artistic music. And I think she's Mm. at the forefront of that. That's great. I will also say, um, uh, the, you said Clinton's the trumpet player Mm -hmm. uh, on this, uh, love his tone. He's got such a beautiful tone. Um, uh, just throughout this, like really that I was also struck by that. That's in the notes too. Yeah. It's, (laughs) he's so interesting because he's similar to Sheila and a lot of musicians in that it doesn't really matter what he has in his hands. Mm -hmm. He's just, he's clinton yeah so he has like a wooden mouthpiece and he plays with this kind of like breathy quality mm. in his intro to there they are it's almost like someone mentioned it almost sounds like it was being played on a 78 right and right. it was like recorded right. in the 30s right. and there's an element to his sound that is like that but the way he plays guitar is like that as well he just mm. sort of like tunes it open and he just makes it work he right, like right, bends right. instruments that he has in his hands to his will to get to the sound in his head right you know what i'm yeah. saying no absolutely and so yeah i love working with him his sound is a palette well that's 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 great well all that to say let's hear some of maybe a lime now
Now, the last one that I wanted to talk about here, um, it 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 seems um, it seems like a little bit different on the record um, from some of these others. Uh, especially in that last one in Maybe Lime, you know, because you were talking about these 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 om- almost disassociated yeah. rhythmic ideas, um, is is the Earth s- slides sideways or slowly uh, or right? slowly? I oh, what? apparently Maybe I can't I'm type. Wrong. Yeah, What's the, <laughs> the Earth slides somehow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the Earth slides. This one, uh, uh, the 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 groove just happens right away, right off the bat, mm. and you're in, and it's and it's it's great. And uh, one of the things that I really liked about this was that it has this like loose brass band feel to it at yeah. a point, but that like ventures off into these like really interesting tonalities, and then will tighten up on like a line, you know, like, yeah. and then is back to like this loose like street ba- uh, brass band yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And, uh, oh yeah, because there's the unison. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. so it kind of like you, you, you. I, I, I envision like this kind of like, like, like uh, uh, march or not marching, but uh, well, like a brass band kind of like swaying around each other, and then like getting into this crazy space, yeah. and then right back together. You know, I like <laughs> that. I, that's good. That's good. That's that's how I envision that. So what's tell me about that one? So that one, uh, that's an interesting scale. Let's see if I can remember the scale off the top of my head. Uh, it's something like, oh man, I should have researched my scales. There's something about that particular raga that the bass line is over like the seventh note of a major scale, okay. the sharp five and the sharp four. Okay. So if you just sort of like think there's, there's like a built in major pentatonic sure. off of like the seventh of the scale. Sure. So in a way, it feels like there's a flat two, but really that's one saw. That's yeah, like dough. Yeah. And so the whole idea of that, because the, the lyrics are like the earth slides slowly. Um, it's this whole idea of like the whole thing is just like like exactly what you're mm-hmm. talking about. Like nothing feels right. Like in a dream, like you're in yeah. a dream, you're sort yeah. of like, wait, the earth doesn't feel sturdy right. to me right, right now. So I was trying to get that tonality wise. And then, yeah, those brass band hits... Uh, yeah, in a way, just sort of like almost add to the discomfort because mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like they come out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and then it's back to like there's a lot of scooping going on in the trombone, mm-hmm. and the clarinets have these little like popcorn. It's like really, it should be um, kind of overwhelming, right. sensory wise. Uh, sensory wise. So uh, yeah, again, that goes back to the lyrics. Like, how do I articulate this thing? Right. And then Gavin's solo is is interesting too because I still remember on the session. We just did it in one take, and I was like, that felt really good. And he, he came into me on the break. He's like, I think I took a really weird solo. I was like, that's <laughs> fine. And I listened to it later, and it's a very uh, ungaven solo. I don't mean to say he plays the same solo. It's just like the way that yeah. he approached it yeah. is is unlike a solo that I've heard him do, but just as virtuosic yeah. and just as uh, emotionally grounded as mm-hmm. all of his solos are. He's such a beautiful player. And I kind of like that he's he's almost drunk on that take. There's something it kind of fits <laughs> yeah, into the vibe yeah. of the thing. I think it works. Yeah. Well, I uh, I, I I love this track. Let's hear it.
anyway, so uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about today. It's a really beautiful record, and uh, talking to you about it, it really shines a different light on. It. I can't wait to go listen to it again, knowing what I know now, and like and and bring that to that experience because it really, it's 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 really wonderful. But oh, I but I I'm excited that I know more about it now, and uh, it's nice to talk to you. You as well, man. You feel good about this that? Fine. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's call it a day. Good. <laughs> All right, there it was. Burnt hibiscus, me and John Armstrong, talking, talking concepts, talking instruments, talking, talking ragas. Um, again, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you like the music, please go over to arenderrecords.com and check out what we all have to offer. Um, what a treat to talk to John. I'm glad he was in town. I'm glad I got to know a little bit more about the guy. He's a tremendous person. As, and I mean, that is like a human. He's a tremendous human. Wonderful guy. Great musician. Brilliant writer. Uh, listen to this record it will change there's a life changing chord hidden somewhere in there alright did we ever figure out a